Today we're talking to Nicola from the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's going to make this episode even better just because of that. Anyone who's a Brit makes our episodes better. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to tell you what it's about, even though you know what it's about, because you clicked <laughs> on the on the link. Uh, but this conversation, it's just great. It's yeah. good. It needs to happen. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is talk about things. We you know we talk about infertility, which is already difficult and kind of taboo. Right. But then within infertility, there's, there's even more taboo topics. Yes. I love it. I love it because that's exactly what it's about. Um, for, for us is what does it feel like to be in these positions? Yeah. What does it feel like to even talk about them and deal with them? And that's what we're doing today. And I told her this, Nicola, I was like, you have, you have such amazing passion and such a, you know, love and deep care and anger for this community, but you also bring a lot of hope. And I just mm. love that. I love that, um, her energy and her passion. And I was just so honored to learn from her. And to be a better advocate myself. Yes, I love that. I was an advocate. I became an advocate in 45 there you minutes. Go. Advocate over two-hour period. Boom. Boom. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, it's officially like holiday season, so grab some hot cocoa and sit down Doug, and enjoy this someone could this be one. listening to this in March of 2022. You don't know that. You oh don't have gosh, that power. That's true. I have people tell me that they just started it. If it's March 2022 right now, I wonder what it's like. You living in the future. I think aliens have now landed on the earth of how the, these last couple years have gone. I think they already did. <laughs> so here's our interview. You guys are going to love it. Welcome back to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so happy to have you here, and we really hope you enjoy today's conversation. Okay, welcome, Nicola. Nicola. Hi. I already messed it up. Nicola. <laughs> Literally before we went on air, you practiced and then you messed it up. Nicola. <laughs> we are so we are so grateful for you being here today and joining us in this conversation. A conversation that I guess maybe some people might feel is stigmatized or is is a hard conversation, but we're happy to have it today. And hopefully maybe lead the way for great thinking and conversation in your own life. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so, so honored to be here chatting with you today. If you could give us um, just a quick 30 seconds of who are you and, and what is it that you advocate for? So I am a fat positive fertility coach, which means that I support fat folks who want to get pregnant, but without dieting and weight loss. And I also want to um, help advocate for folks so that there is change within the fertility industry so that they get better access to care. I love, I that, love answer. that. That's that's wonderful. I love that. answer. Um, my first question is, can we just talk about language? Um, mm. Let's talk about all the ways that we talk about fat positivity, fatness, overweight, um, big. What do we what do we so how do we start with um, what words are offensive? What words do we use? Why did you choose the words fat positive? Uh, it, have you encountered people who find that to be, I guess, maybe I want to say offensive. Is that not the right word? Or um, what do you hear when you go to the doctor? Do people say overweight? Do people say fat? I think uh, a lot of the times in these conversations, 
where people feel awkward, I guess I want to say, it, it comes down to language. They don't want to misuse language. Yeah. Um, so it almost leaves them without a lot of uh, tools for how to talk about things because the language is kind of scary for them. So we want to be unafraid of the language, but help us with it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the language is super interesting. And for so long, like I never identified with the word fat. That's the word I used to describe my body now. Um, and for me, it was a really huge part of this journey towards accepting my body because um, mm. as you, if you know, when you think about the word fat, like it doesn't really mean anything. It just means the same as short or tall. Like it's just a descriptor of my body. But what we as a culture make it mean mm. is things like lazy or greedy or unmotivated. You know, there are so many negative connotations around the word and for a really long time, I was really afraid to embrace that word because I was really worried about what it meant. Like maybe it would mean that I would be unhealthy for the rest of my life or unhappy mm. because we're so often sold this image of, you know, if you want to run off into the sunset with your partner and live your dream life, like you've got to be skinny. You've got to be mm. white. Right. You've got to have long blonde hair. <laughs> right. Like you have all these Blue ideals. eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. You know, this, this ideal, which pretty much nobody can fulfill because it's often you know airbrushed photoshopped you know all exactly. these other ways we manipulate bodies but cindy crawford has that famous quote that she says i'm jealous of cindy crawford right. uh, that is an <laughs> right. amazing quote because she's <laughs> on so all true. these magazines and she looks at it and she goes i'm jealous of that girl and that's me you know <laughs> just to prove your point right yeah. no that's that's really really yeah powerful mm -hmm. um but for me, yeah, it was about reclaiming that word to take away its power um, mm -hmm. and to take away this idea that somebody could use that word as a weapon against me. And I think that's why so often we're afraid to use it because it has been used as a weapon, both against other people and also against ourselves. Like I read a research paper like that they did and they did like um, a survey of folks and people said they would rather lose a limb and get fat wow. like people wow. are afraid of being fat because of the way society treats us like yes. mm -hmm. we know from the research that fat people get paid less that fat people get less access to things like public transport to you know going to social events we get less access to clothes traveling is yeah. more difficult like going yeah, on an wow. airplane you get um, shorter appointments in the doctor's office like it impacts so many different ways that you live yeah um and just the general way that people treat you. Like mm -hmm. the reason that being thin feels better in this world isn't because being thin is like inherently better for you. It's mm. because of the way people treat you. Um, mm. So yeah, so it was a huge part of my journey. Yeah, that's really um, interesting. And yeah, uh, you just blew my mind like 14 times. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Welcome. Within the first five minutes, Jesse's mind, mind is blown. Um, uh, but well, I think it's interesting. It it really re reframes even the language that we use, right? Like you're right, uh, using the word fat, like short or tall. I never thought are, about are, that. Are way. all just descriptors, um, but we in our culture have assigned value to those things, right? Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. even if you do a little thought experiment right now, even if you're listening to this, if I say tall and thin versus short and fat, 
what, what you know like do you have a pref like is there a bias that comes to mind might right like a some are you do, applying some type of judgment just based off tall and thin and short and fat which is crazy right we shouldn't do that those yeah. are just descriptive things right i could be talking about water bottles <laughs> it, you know it doesn't but <laughs> just the yeah, word absolutely. the words almost bring a, a elicit an emotion have you found that people try to skirt around using the word fat like you know people do people say overweight or big or i mean this sounds i could be offensive i don't want to be offensive but even saying like i'm a little fluffy or, or, or like do they find like chubby. Crea- crea- chubby. chubby creative ways to try to do it so it, they're trying to f- make it not offensive or something or they're yes. they're trying to get around it i don't know does that make sense yeah no it, yeah. It, there's so many like different words you can use to describe fat folks and the problem with words like overweight and especially like the term obese is that they are medicalizing a population of people which don't need to be medicalized like being fat isn't an illness it's not inherently unhealthy but that's the way that we see bodies we see thin is healthy fat is unhealthy and the research just just does not support that and the problem with using overweight is then you're saying like you're over a quote-unquote normal weight, right like over what weight like it's Hmm. it's further stigmatizing this idea that being fat is abnormal or kind of not the norm and actually you know a third of the population in the uk in the us is quote unquote overweight so it's not abnormal it's just part of a bell curve like it's part of a you know statistic you know if you look at everybody's weight like it's gonna form this like natural diversity and that is what you know know, in all species people um things are diverse like animals are diverse diverse, and it's just the natural order of things like it's always been there in the human population and um yeah terms like fluffy and terms like chubby big boned precise like all these things um they are just skirting around this idea that fat is a shameful thing to be yeah and again like further just making it like feel that it's something that you should be ashamed of and actually like it's just part of the natural order of the world and body shapes and bodies come in all shapes and sizes and you know the the more that we can normalize talking about it and normalize you know accepting that folks come in all shapes and sizes then the the more we can move on from it and start to heal the, the way that fat people have been treated because it does have a very real impact on their health. that is very about that like all shapes and sizes all different colors but do we really believe it you know do we really think that way you know and I think that's the change is it's like we say that we say oh yeah all shapes and sizes all colors oh everyone's welcome but it's like to believe it is a whole nother thing and to actually live that way and accepting Um, everyone and we all hold these biases like every single person holds bias against weight against skin color against Mm-hmm. gender sexuality like we mm-hmm. all hold these biases because of the way that we were brought up and the culture that we live in mm-hmm. like it's not you can't just say like well I'm not fat phobic you know like I believe all people of all sizes but we all inherently are and it's by recognizing that we are that we're able to make changes yeah um so it's really really helpful to see that and we are brought up with this for such a such a young age like 
cartoon characters, yeah. like the Mr. Men books, like every children's book or evil yeah. villain in like a Disney movie, they're all fat. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't equate this fatness with evilness or inherent greed or right. and you can just when you start to see it you can't unsee it because there are so many examples yeah. oh gosh no it's i'm the, not i just watched mickey cartoons last night with my son and now i'm thinking oh my gosh yeah that character that character it's the ursula wow. effect right it's right. the yes. ursula yeah. effect yeah. <laughs> totally Absolutely. I, I love uh the idea of a, the bell curve um yeah i love that too. and and the the slow transition between groups. I think that is actually way more accurate uh, to the way all things are in the world, right? That I think we think that there's these huge jumps and categories, but everything is on a gradient, right? And, yes. and, and we fall all over the place, um, but because of the narrative that we tell ourselves or, or the cultural narrative that we're a part of, we take one slice out of the bell curve or, or one instance of the gradient and say well that's the good one right and, and it yeah. just doesn't really map on to i don't know the way people are you know and the way we experience the world yeah. and all we do is just create anxiety depression um stress when, when we don't fit into the one slice of the bell curve and, I, I just love that and until this conversation wow until this conversation that's amazing i just said it there it is until the amount this of revelations jesse's gonna have today it's gonna be great it's true <laughs> Um, until this conversation, I didn't realize that overweight could be a negative connotation. Like over what, over mm, yeah. what thing that we're like putting it's this wild, ideal pe pedestal on? Like that was just mind blowing for me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sit on that for a while. Well, that's, that was good. That's totally true. Like, you know, if you think of, even if you Google, right? Like a quick Google, like how much should I weigh for my, yeah. my like height? It is, it's not like a, they don't tell you a number. They give you this like range and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So even from, even from that perspective, even from like maybe the most unhealthy way about trying to figure out how much you should weigh, Googling it, it's a, <laughs> it's a range, you know? So yeah. it's like, are you, that's just bizarre. Like to say like, well, who decided that range? And what yeah. if I'm, what if I'm two pounds over that range? It's like, ah, what a, what a bad way to try to figure out how you should be. Right. Right. And the ranges have changed, right? Mm. Like over time. So BMI, which is this idea of like, you've got this number that's based on your height and weight. Right. Um, it was used initially by insurance companies to decide who they should insure and who should they not insure. Mm. Oh, and wow. they've changed those reference numbers, like what's quote unquote normal, healthy, unhealthy over time. And at one point, I can't remember the exact numbers, but they decreased the range at which they deemed the healthy weight so instantly overnight millions of people <laughs> were in this like quote unquote overweight category and wow. were instantly wow. higher risk through just like number fudging um mm -hmm. and bmi was never created to be an individual health measure it was created to be a, a look at population health so statistics mm -hmm. and it was invented mm -hmm. by a belgian astronomer and it was purely based on western european men so wow. that was the, the the people that they looked at. So yeah, wow. it's not really very accurate descriptor of health by any measure. Yeah, wow. not at all. Anytime you do anything and you huh. only look at Eastern European men, it's probably not going to be accurate to the whole population. Right. <laughs> oh my wow, gosh. Wow, that's crazy. So so let's talk about yeah. you know, now you are going in, you're living your life and then boom, infertility hits you. What does it feel like to be fat and struggle with infertility? 
So even before we get to that point, yeah. there is a narrative within our culture that fat people are going to have it harder, that yeah. fat people will take longer to get pregnant, that they'll mm. struggle to get pregnant, that yeah. um, things are going to be difficult. So even before we get to this point of ready to start trying, fat folks are already thinking about that potential struggle ahead and they mm. feel that that's already something that they have to prepare for because we've been told that fat people can't get pregnant that fat people it's harder for them to get pregnant yeah. that they'll be unhealthy through pregnancy so I have heard that already before we even get to the let's start trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. or the infertility aspect it's we've hit this block of oh I need to lose weight before I can do that because I'm told you know like I'm you know who are you to disbelieve the doctors, the healthcare professionals, the media that's yeah. saying fat people are going to have it more difficult, fat people are going to struggle. So that is the very first hurdle that people often come across. Yeah. So then you, so how about for you in your own perspective, when you thought about entering into this, um, was that your mindset? Were you thinking this is going to be hard for me? Mm, so I was actually told when I was 16, I was diagnosed with a condition called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I was told that I wouldn't be able to have kids. Oh, so wow. that was completely my perspective of like, this is going to be really hard. You know, I had super irregular periods and I just thought this is never going to happen for me, but mm-hmm. it did. Like I didn't have a fertility journey. I didn't have, I had almost mm-hmm. had a reverse one because oh, wow. I was anticipating it to be so difficult. And yeah. we actually got pregnant with both our kids super easily, which I'm so grateful for. So then from the perspective of maybe the patient, the clients that you work with or or what Mm. you're advocating for, when people are entering into that, take us into that mindset, right? Mm. Take us into that, that doctor's office visit, maybe the first visit where you're there, maybe they're, they're dealing with infertility and they're like, okay, they already think that they're going to struggle. They're going in with that mindset. Okay. I know what the doctor is going to say. What, what is it that, what's in their mind what's in their mindset what does it feel like to be them in that situation going into just any, maybe even any kind of doctor's visit well first of all they'll have likely put that off as long as they physically could like most folks will be like really super keen eager to get to the doctors yeah try and find some answers get some tests whereas fat folks tend to leave it longer because they're anticipating the conversation that they're going to have mm. um most folks will have had negative experiences in the doctors in their past they'll have been told to lose weight for a cold for a broken arm for a you know like injured knee like anything for colds. Yeah. For colds? oh yeah <laughs> wow. it's wow. everything you know <laughs> you've broken your thumb oh you should try and lose some weight for that like it is you know like I had my own yeah. experience when I was maybe about six months after my second child and I was worried that I had a bit of kind of postpartum depression mm-hmm. um I was told to join a, a slimming club like it's yeah. wild oh, wow um but yeah, so they'll have left it a bit longer than most folks normally would. Okay. And they'll be anticipating that it's going to be a hard conversation and they will be expecting the doctor to say lose weight. And often that's how it goes. There will be no testing. There'll be oh. no support, no recommendations. It will just be, okay, well, you know, understand that you're struggling. If you go away and lose X pounds, X kilograms, come back to me when you've done that and then we can help you is that is that normally the first thing like go go and lose weight then come back they don't really that's maddening that they wouldn't that that's just the first what does that do to someone well and it confirms what they already thought yeah maybe it confirms it confirms what they already thought they already thought they would struggle they're going into the doctor it probably took a lot of balls to actually get into the doctor and now it's just confirmed that yep i knew you were going to say that 
So here yeah. we are. And then I can see that they're not probably not even going to get as much fertility help because no, of this. Absolutely not. And it's so they feel completely 100 percent responsible. Mm. They feel judged, shamed. You know, the doctor hasn't even asked them any questions about their lifestyle, like right. what they're eating, how they're moving. Like they have just made assumptions purely based on their body. Mm. And yeah, most people come out of that appointment and just spend the whole day crying under the duvet because it's so traumatic for them. Like they yeah. feel wholly responsible for that. And if they could just lose weight, then obviously the, the problem would be fixed. Like they feel they'll let their partner down if they have a partner, you know, their parents who want grandkids, you know, right. their friends around them who are already having kids. Like, yeah. and right. it feels 100% their fault because that's what the doctors just told them. Like, right. it's your fault. You're fat. It's your fault. You can't have kids go away, lose weight, come back when you're more responsible. Like that's what they hear. Mm. And that is, you know, for most folks, they have been trying to lose weight their whole life. Like this isn't some new revelation. Right. Like, Oh, I'm fat. I right. didn't know that. I'll just go away and lose a few pounds. Like yeah, right. this is something they have been battling probably most of their adult life. And now for them to confirm that the biggest goal in their whole entire life, you know, to become a parent is relying on this thing that they have been trying to do for so long. It's just heartbreaking. Mm. Right. And you already struggle with when you're trying to get pregnant, that it is your fault, especially for a woman in my, yes. in my case, that it is my fault. Mm. Cause I have, you know, low ovarian reserve. So, but I can kind of in the back of my mind go, it's not my, it's not my, it's not really my fault. Like I, I could, I would change it if I could, I would press some button to make it go away if I could, but I really can't. And then in that case though, it's the opposite. It's like, it is your fault. And then yeah, I feel like you wouldn't, you would struggle even more with like that thought of like, no, it's not my fault, but the doctor's telling you it's your fault. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. then there's something you can do about it. Like I can't do anything about my low ovarian reserve. I can't, yeah. I can't fix it. You know, I could take some vitamins, but I don't think that's going to do a whole lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So for a doctor to be like, yes, it is your fault and you can fix it. Oh, that's just so hard. Or they think that you can fix it, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we know short-term weight loss works, but it's only ever short-term. No study looking at weight loss, intentional weight loss, has been proven to work over five years. The majority mm. huh. regain all the weight plus more. And then that puts people in this yo-yo dieting, you know, yeah. you lose the weight. Then you kind of resume normal life and then you regain the weight, often plus a bit more. So then you think, okay, crap, I've got to lose the weight, you know, mm. up and down, up and right. down. And we know that that cycle that cycle of regaining and losing weight does have an impact on folks' health. That does mm. impact their, their metabolism. That does impact their inflammation and their stress hormones and their mental health. Like that impacts their health, not yeah. the fact that they're in a bigger body. And mm. yeah, it's heartbreaking because it's there's two layers of like, my body is broken because I can't have kids and my body is broken. You know, I am broken fundamentally as a human being because I cannot lose that weight. What does it feel like to have to advocate for yourself in that way, in that way, right? To say, um, no, no, I want the testing. I'm not going to go do that. You know, do you encourage people to do that? Or what is it like to be in that position to say, um, thank you for the, you know, thank you for that advice. I, I don't feel like I'm going to do, do that. I want to move forward with the testing. Is that a difficult position to be in? It's exhausting. Mm. Like already these folks have gone through like mental gymnastics to get there, right? And now they're in this position where they've been told that they need to lose weight. Mm. Your nervous system kicks in. All your body wants to do is keep you safe. So often yeah. folks will just go into this, you know, you've heard of fight and flight. Yeah, like yeah. 
there's there's freeze or right. there's fawn. So there's another kind of couple of, of things that folks can do. And so they can either just sit there and nod their heads and be like, yes, 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 yes. Or they can just say, yeah, of course, I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. Like this is the way of keeping themselves safe in those really vulnerable positions. So right. often folks will really struggle to have those conversations. And what I do is, you know, I help folks to try and build a place where they can feel safer and have those discussions and help them build up the resilience and give them research, give them evidence to go in with because it takes a lot of energy. And this is just energy that they should not have to put into this very first hurdle of getting tests. Like they should automatically deserve that support, that care, that treatment. And for them to have to go in, you know, organs blazing, trying to find a doctor that's going to support them. Like that is exhausting from the get go. Yes, so true. And so then, exhausting. And then does that still remain when, you know, they go into, let's say they finally get, they're advocating, they're getting the treatment, they're getting the test, they're doing IVF, whatever, or whatever, IUI, IVF. Does that still continue? Does that advocacy and that feeling from the doctors still continue? 100%. And most folks won't get to the treatment because, again, there are BMI barriers in place for wow. people to be able to access treatment. So... For folks in the UK, there's a BMI barrier of 30 for most folks. In the US, it's a bit more generous, but most clinics will, cap, clinics will cap it off about 40 or 50. So it really just means that people struggle to find a clinic that will support them, you know, and especially when you've got to consider insurance, right. if you're covered by insurance, like they're so many Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you know, wild. I, I, you know, gosh, I embarrassingly, I didn't know that. I didn't know, I that, didn't know that either. there's a BMI barrier. Yeah. Okay. What's yeah. it, you know, there, not to get into the science. Gosh, that would not, make me angry. Not to get I into just this, got angry. Yeah, I know. Not Physically to get, angry. <laughs> not to get into the science of it, but the, you know, the feelings of it. What does it feel like to even have, have there be a BMI barrier for it anything, feels, for anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, it feels desperate, right? Like mm. you feel like you're stuck in a rock and a hard place. Like if you can begin to like understand that weight loss isn't going to be the answer for you then you're given no choice like you're you're told you have to lose weight or you don't grow your family like you're not feel like you don't have any options and you know like that it's just almost like you know emotional blackmail for people to to go through this process i saw a post recently that you had up about like and i reposted it actually it was about um your body did not cause your miscarriage so talk about that a little bit, like loss. And even after getting pregnant, does that, all that stigma still continue? Yeah, even like? more so, it ramps up. So huh. I've had people report to me that while they've been going through a pregnancy loss, their doctor has told them that it was their fault because of their size. Like whilst they are going through that procedure and that is just like, you know, one of the most vulnerable moments of your whole entire right. life. And the doctor right. cannot show you any compassion or support or treat you like a human being. It just, you know, it breaks my heart. And, you know, like, it just, it makes no sense to me because, you know, I've looked at the research and it just doesn't support it. And I'm so angry at all the doctors who will put these things on their websites and state that, you know, fat people are dangerous and they shouldn't be getting pregnant. And, mm. you know, doctors say it's unethical for me to support you and, and all these mm. things. And and really, when you look at the research, it's just bias. It's more and more bias because we all live in a world where, you know, this thin is healthy, fat is unhealthy exists. And 
you know, scientists aren't immune to that, doctors aren't immune to that. They're all in this diet culture bubble that we exist in. And, and it makes me so sad that people have to experience that and go through that. And, you know, if you go through a pregnancy loss anyway, you blame yourself, of like, course. what could I have done? Yeah. Right. These people right. are told from every direction that it's their fault. And they, you know, internalize that. And, you know, it's, you know, increases risk of depression and anxiety and, you know, it impacts their health in such a, an enormous level. And it, yeah, it's, it's so wrong and so unethical and so infuriating. It's, it's lonely anyway when you want to get pregnant and you don't feel you can talk to anybody yeah. about it. Yeah. But when you're fat, you run the risk. If you mention it to someone, they'll be just like, oh, well, if you just lost weight, like you don't escape that. Like friends yeah. will say that, family will say that. And of course they mean well, of course they want the best for you and the best opportunity for you to grow your family. But those well-meaning comments further stigmatize people and further make people believe that it's their fault. So they don't tell anybody. They don't share their worries with their partner. They don't share their worries with their family, their closest people. So it is such an isolating place. For us, that isolation is so dangerous because the, yeah. the isolation is where you begin to lose your support system. You lose, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for us, what we talk about, your your the tools in which help you be resilient. You know, your, your tools in which help you get back up. Um, having a community, having people encourage you, getting your emotional needs met. If you start to lose that because of the isolation, you start to become more vulnerable to um, depression, anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. uh, overthinking, and, and it starts to spiral downward. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, you're dealing not only with infertility, which is socially stigmatized and isolating, then you have just the concept of fatness, which is socially stigmatized and, and people have bias and prejudice towards. So it's like, it's this like double, it's on top of each other, these two things, and they maybe compound one another. So it's not, it's, I guess it's maybe even just a, um, if that's, if you find yourself in that position, know that taking care of yourself is going to be really important. Taking care of your mental health is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we say on the podcast all the time, don't wing it, you know, don't just wing wing it and say like, well, we'll figure it out when it happens. You know, there's enough research and hopefully if you're a listener, there's enough information out there to know that these things are difficult. They're going to be difficult. Yes. So find the community, find help and, and just be prepared a little bit. If you prepare even a little bit, you'll be more equipped to deal with these things, which leads us, I guess, to this, this next idea is what does someone do if they find themselves in this position and maybe they're feeling rejected by the doctors. Uh, maybe they, they're they're feeling like I don't even want to go because I don't want to enter that mm-hmm. whole circus. Mm-hmm. How do they start this process of thinking about how to get pregnant or or approaching care in a, in a certain way? And I feel like a lot of our listeners will get a lot of validation of what you said, and like what you said is so powerful. And I feel like I can just see someone driving in their car right now, especially people in our groups that I know have you know, talked about this and just being moved to tears. And I feel like that is so important of like to see people and to give like, yes, I know how that feels. And to have people be like, is she in my brain? Um, but again, there's like another layer of like, then what do they do about it? Like, how do we move forward? How, you know, how does someone 
move forward? So the first, yeah, the first thing I'd say is that don't assume that anything's going to go wrong. Like for folks who are just in the beginnings of this, like there is no reason based on your body size to believe that anything is wrong, to believe that you're going to struggle, to believe that it's going to take longer than anybody else in any other size body. Like yeah. it could be absolutely straightforward for you as it was for me. Like it could be that easy for you. And it is, you're so worthy of it being that easy for you. Mm. Um, for folks who do need to then go on to access tests and treatments because folks of all bodies struggle with infertility. Right, yeah. Um, and then there will be people who need the tests, who need the treatments. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure or that you're wrong or that your body is broken. Um, if you can, if you are able to find a doctor who's more supportive, that is a good place to start. And you can ask questions like, you know, what are your BMI policies? How do you treat patients of size? You know, you can start to ask these questions. And there are some, not loads, but some clinics, some reproductive endocrinologists, some OBGYNs that are fat positive that will support fat folks and not recommend diets and weight loss and mm. and tell them you know just go away and lose weight they exist mm. they're they're tricky to find but you know like i started creating a list on my website there's also um a lady called jen mcclellan who's plus mommy on instagram and she's got a really useful guide for obgyns um mm. especially if you're navigating pregnancy that's really useful um and yeah, there are people out there. So if you can find those doctors, amazing. Yeah. If you can't, then, you know, like you were talking about finding a community, like that is so important because you can't just unlearn this stuff and then get on with life. Like it's, you're constantly bombarded with these ideas that your body is wrong, that you need to make your body smaller. Hmm. So having right. a bubble, a safe space, somewhere you can go and talk about it with other people who can relate to that and understand what you're going through that can really help you to build confidence build resilience get the kind of the you know the kind of the root gut just that feeling of being able to kind of move forward with the next step and have the difficult conversations to advocate with your doctor about and to share talk about like research and share that because you know I'm really lucky I have a background in research so mm. I'm able to like take a lot of the studies and like really like put them into plain and simple words so people can take that with them yeah. to a doctor they can talk about that with their doctors and hopefully influence those conversations to have the outcome that they want from them mm. um but yeah it's hard work it's harder work than it should be for folks and it's yeah. not something that they should have to do yeah. um but you know what I really want to do is give them all the tools that I possibly can in order for them to have a positive outcome from going through that procedure and then having that support having that you know the the understanding and knowing that they have a space where they're not going to be judged or shamed mm -hmm. and what would you say mm -hmm. for the people that are dealing with that from friends and family yeah. or the community like what Especially would going you... into the holiday season i know right? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's perfectly planned <laughs> yes you know, like, um yeah right. of it's like one thing to like i love that you have that like talk to OBGYN like I love that and then it's like but then the other side of like how do you start to approach this with family and friends or if you're receiving these comments mm -hmm. from your community what what would you say to them for help? so the, your biggest friend is boundaries and boundaries can be really hard to set and really hard yeah. to maintain mm -hmm. um but they can be really powerful especially when you know you have these needs and you know if you don't want to talk about you know dieting and weight loss if you don't want people to comment on your body 
then that need is so important because that is really, really essential for your mental health. Um, so putting that boundary in place with friends and family can be really helpful in especially around the holidays like navigating those conversations you know like for all folks going through fertility there's always that you know when are we going to hear the pitter patter of tiny feet and all those questions from relatives Mm. that you don't see very often um but yeah that obviously comes with that well you know should you be eating that and why don't you just have one portion or you know like people making judgments and comments on your body and your food choices and all these things so if you're able to set boundaries, you know, just talking to people and saying, look, I appreciate that what you're doing is out of the, you know, the goodness of your heart. And I know that you mean well, um, but commenting my body actually has, you know, really negatively impacts my mental health. So please, you know, you can come up with like, please, can you stop doing that? And then what you can do to follow on from that conversation is to, you know, like say, ask them, no, if you slip, if you mention something like, what can I do to remind you? So really setting up that expectations so they know that if they do cross that boundary that you're going to say okay well do you remember we had that conversation and you've got an agreement between you of how to manage that boundary moving forward it makes it easier for everybody when they know what to expect what's going to happen the consequence of them going over that boundary and it just makes it a bit easier for you to kind of maintain them um so an example is that I'm, I live quite far away from my mum, so mm-hmm. we talk a lot on, on Zoom, on Skype, and mm-hmm. I told her that I don't want to talk about weight loss anymore. I don't want to talk about dieting. You know, it's yeah. fine if she wants to pursue that because it's her body, her choice, yeah. but I don't want to be a part, participate in those conversations. And I've said to her, if we talk about that, if you start mentioning that, I'm just going to close the laptop and I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. Um, so she knows that if that happens, that's what's going to happen. And, you know, like, I've not had to do it very often, thank goodness, but you know, that protects me that makes sure that my boundary, my need is met and it, it stops it escalating into a difficult conversation or an emotional, like fraught conversation where she feels bad for mentioning it. And I feel bad for her, but being, you know, like it can spiral. So boundaries are definitely, if you feel capable and able to, just to kind of set them with friends and family. I love everything that you said. I love the idea that uh, creating boundaries helps your needs get met, right? Um, mm-hmm. And advocating uh, and taking care of yourself, your mental health, and doing that, addressing it doesn't make uh, doesn't make you know, you know you're not sitting in the darkness more, and you're not more sad. It el- actually helps you find the community, find the resilience. Mm-hmm. I guess I would love to hear hear. You know, sometimes we talk about these things on our podcast, right? And we, you know, we talk for 45 minutes or something like that. And it just sounds so easy, you know, (laughs) know, you're maybe you're listening to this, you're driving or walking or something. You're like, oh, I'll just do that. That sounds great. But these are huge movements. Mm -hmm. Maybe your mom or your family has been saying this to you for years. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, like just this concept, like, oh, just start advocating for yourself and find community. And it's like, oh, just that. Yeah, Um, Yeah. but, But I guess what I would love for you to even speak into is the the worthwhileness of it right so you are advocating you are obviously you have this platform you're talking about it you're finding what it sounds like community and drawing boundaries with your mom is it worth it you know is it worth Mm -hmm. it where from where you're sitting to say yes engage in these things because because my life is better is that true you know take us into that hundred percent like my life is so different now from when I was in the trap of like trying to lose weight, change my body, you know, like that, like, honestly, I feel like a completely different person because the emotional load and the mental load of trying to change my body 
you know, like of the thoughts of like what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, what I should be eating, what yeah. I feel gu- guilty about eating. That consumed me. That consumed my mental energy, my mm. financial energy, you know, like money that I spent on it, yeah. the mm. time. And it's just, it took everything from me. And mm. that may, it makes me so angry now to think about it. Like, but it's it's a reality for so many people, not just people in bigger bodies, like people in smaller bodies also yeah. experience this to an extent because they don't want their body to get bigger because we're afraid of being fat. So mm-hmm. they'll be on permanent restrictive diets. And we know that restriction impacts your brain function, your memory, mm-hmm. it impacts your tiredness, your emotions, like mm-hmm. so many aspects of your life are impacted by that. And you know, that is only amplified for folks who are going through fertility issues. That is only like, you know, exponentially bigger for folks going through that. And I think finding people who get it and people who understand is just life-changing because you realize that you're not struggling this on your own and you're not the only person that the doctor's ever told to lose weight to. And you're not the only person who feels that that's an impossibility um, and it may feel like that, you know, in your corner of the world, but there are so many people who are experiencing the same thing and understanding that and having conversations with them, it fills you with a sense of hope and, you know, just it helps you feel more human again and that it's not your fault and that it mm-hmm. is a fault of the systems and the culture that we have and you should not be punished for that. I love the idea of feeling more yes. human. I love mm-hmm. it. I think that's exactly yeah. what yeah. what we hope that people feel in listening to this podcast, this specific episode, but all of our episodes is that all of the ways that we feel about these things, our emotional response to them is important. And when dealing with them and confronting them in positive ways, we become more human. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Nicola, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. This is wonderful. Brilliant. How can I can tell... I can just see your passion. I don't know who you were before that, like what you just said. Like, I don't know who you were, but I see this like beautiful spirit. Not that you weren't beautiful before, but you know what I mean? Like, I just, I see the passion. Maybe that's what I would say. I see the the passion and the advocacy and I am just inspired by it, honestly. I'm very, very inspired. When I first DM'd you, I was like, you are doing such good work. Like, I think that's what I said. Like, this work is so important. You know, and I just, I think that you're brilliant and I love that you are, you know, seeing this demographic and we want to see this demographic too. We want, you know, to be as inclusive to everyone as humanly possible. Um, So we are so thankful for you to talk to us and give us the language and um, just help see some of our really hurting members of our community. So how can people, how can people find you? Should they, should they show up at your house? Do they, what do they, what do, they do? Just find you in the I forest. I mean, welcome to, yeah. I mean, the forest is a very healing space. I have to say we've just moved here a few months ago and I feel so blessed oh, to wonderful. live in the forest. Oh, I love it. Is it log cabin-ish? It looks a Well, little... this is like, this is my summer house. This is my new office. So yeah, this is in the garden. I love it. I love it. Just surrounded by trees. It's just bliss. But oh. yeah, so Ideally not come to my house, although if you do, if you're in the area, you know, I'm happy to make you a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah so i'm on instagram mainly and my handle is fat positive fertility um i've got loads of resources on there i share a lot of research you know i want to make this information available to as many people as possible so they can do this work themselves and they don't feel so alone um but yeah all the stuff's on there you know i answer my dms if anybody's got any questions or they want to talk about stuff hit me up i'm always there wonderful and so great and you can find all of that in the notes to this show too as well we'll link all that there thank you thank you so much for being with us today it was wonderful to have this conversation thank you so much for recognizing just how important this work is i really appreciate that Thank you for listening to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, a show produced by the nonprofit Uniquely Knitted. This is your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so grateful to all our wonderful donors who support this work. If you'd like to learn more about how we serve the community and support the work of Uniquely Knitted, we encourage you to check us out at uniquelyknitted.org. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like more people to hear it, please give us a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts. That is the best way for more people to hear these conversations. If you need to talk to someone about your feelings, please reach out to us. We are here to help. If you would like to learn more about our unique process groups, please follow the link in our show notes. See you next week.